0: Good afternoon welcome to the Fontanel final bell here on the rural radio network i'm susan littlefield we are broadcasting today from the nebraska soybean board studio which is brought to you by the nebraska soybean farmers and their Checkoff. nice to see some crops poking out of the ground and nice to see some rain for the most part we do know that folks way up in the north and in down into the south have got some very serious weather that's hitting them that's going to have some detrimental effects on what happens with this crop and we're going to talk more about that coming up today along with uh not only that, where we're sitting on these export numbers because they were absolutely crazy coming out early this morning. And in the livestock front, a drop in the cattle weight. So what does that mean? Is that considered good news? We're going to get all the details today from Mike Suslow. Mike is with Global Commodity Analytics. And I think we better start out with this with this wheat trade because, you know, and I, I joked about this earlier in the day that I saw on social media, a wheat producer said that he saw toads wearing life preservers looking for higher ground. And it kind of describes what some of these wheat folks are going through. I mean, Mike, from one extreme to the next.
1: It really is, and I remember when I first got into the uh, business as a commodity broker, and I started in livestock analysis, I was talking to someone, I can't remember if it was 1996 or 1997, somewhere around there. It was a couple years after I'd started, but we had never really dealt with a super wet condition in the wheat belt and i started talking about how wet it was for the wheat and the guy that did the grain analysis at the time he looked over at me and he said you can't drown grass and he just sat back down there and i thought wow he really wanted to tell me how it was when it came to wheat analysis so we're gonna probably test that theory though i think at this point susan we're not draining as fast as we were in some of these areas out by russell kansas and you know that's really the heart of the hard red wheat belt and as you go on down towards Oklahoma, in fact, Oklahoma State, uh, from their website and looking at that, they're looking at maybe trying to get an idea of, you know, what kind of damage they're looking at here in the next few days. It's just too soon to know. But on that mindset, I think it's going to be real critical. We watch closely the crop conditions report uh, due out later this afternoon because the trade estimates from Reuters, we came in at 49% last week, good to excellent conditions. The range of analyst estimate. For this week's 48 to 51 with the average trade guess at 50. Last year at this time we were at 52. So we really can maybe start to get an idea, because a lot of this rainfall happened on Sunday, get an idea of whether we are going to be as good as last year or not when it comes to conditions. And that could really mean a lot given the tight supplies of corn given the fantastic export demand for corn, given the uh, amazing lack of substitutes and competition for corn. So the biggest competition out there for corn is the wheat. And if we you know, knock off one or two bushels an acre, whether it's because of flooding or whether it's because of quality and disease uh, in the wheat crop, I think that could really spill back into a better corn price.
0: So having said that, obviously the corn has had some struggles as of late, and then to have these export numbers that came out this morning that some folks had to do a double take to make sure they were looking at those numbers right, especially when we looked at China.
1: Yeah, and I think, you know, you bring up a really good point because I think we've talked about it here in the last few um, final bells, Fontenelle final bells, where talking about hedging rallies, the sell and defend model, I think you and I have talked about quite a bit. And this is really a good clinic. I mean, this is a great time period to kind of give a clinic on what a sell and defend model means. And what it means is, while the corn has the best fundamentals to it it's not an island it's not all by itself it can't go straight up without the help of other commodities namely wheat and even soybeans after a certain point and i think it's real important for the listener to realize that from april twenty-third to may seventh we went up about a dollar six from low to high in december corn futures and so we did in about two two and a half weeks a dollar a bushel gain well we have taken that back all of it in four trading days. We're back to 542 uh, in that general vicinity now in December corn, and that's where the low area was back on April 23rd. And so that's the reason why we do the sell-and-defend model, or I'm recommending it this year, is because of the idea that once the market falls, it takes away a lot faster typically and historically than what it gives to you. And I think in, in large percentage reason for that is this year because of the wheat market and some more negativity coming in about the new crop corn and the corn conditions and the lack of a drought starting to prevent itself. So having said that, at this 540 area, I'm starting to lock in corn feed needs for livestock hedgers at this time. Did a little bit on Friday, going to do more this week and get it locked in on the December contract using December calls and call verticals with the idea that the december contract going below 540 between now and july august september probably going to be pretty difficult with the given numbers we have right now
0: could we be getting a boost though from ethanol with the way these corn prices are working
1: yeah i think so the numbers are coming in in terms of the the break evens are really starting to shoot up and it comes at the right time because we're running a four-year low in ethanol stocks and I think this goes back to the Brazilian, uh, or excuse me, the uh, yeah the Brazilian crop and the seven million ton reduction that we saw in USDA's report. I think there's a direct link. Seven million tons is almost two hundred seventy six million bushels and i think that's why china came in and bought one point seven million tons which ends up being about sixty seven million bushels just in one fell swoop i think there's a direct relationship between that in the corn market and i think this is very important the corn export demand the biofuel demand i think it can help offset some of the wheat feeding and the substitution we see and then we bring back into that the potential for maybe a little bit lower wheat yields or a little bit lower harvested acres because of this flooding I think you've got a whole different scenario in corn versus the soybeans.
0: Real quick before we go to break, yes or no, are we going to see kind of near the end of our corn planting on this latest crop progress report? Yeah,
1: I think we will, but I think that very last 10 or 15% is going to be very hard fought.
0: All right, well, stick around, folks. We've got a lot more to come back. We do have a listener question about the, the railway and the purchase between Kansas and Canada. What does that mean with USMCA and the whole global picture of grains in North America. More is coming up. You are listening to the Monday version of the Fontenelle Final Bell right here on the Rural Radio Network. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield as we continue the conversation with Mike Zuzlow He's with Global Commodity Analytics. And, and I think a great question that came up from a listener, and I'm kind of expanding on it as well, but they we we all know the railway there in Kansas has had some issues. The Kansas line, uh, very vital going into Mexico, and now there were two bids coming out of Canada. One bid was the winning bid, and this guy made the comment about, does this mean some good news for us with USMCA and, and the continued movement of grain, knowing that this line is going to keep open?
1: I, I think it does because from a standpoint that we really need a lot of infrastructure, and, and renewal of getting up technologically to speed in a lot of our rail structure. And it comes at a time period when we may see the demise of fossil fuels. And so the coal trains that run out here in this part of the country, and, and I see several a day because we have a power plant really close to our office here in, in northeast Kansas, and it runs along the Missouri River. And, you know, obviously with Atchison being part of the Atchison-Topeka-Santa Fe uh, line from the old days, a lot of corn travels through Atchison down towards Mexico, and it's not uncommon for me to see in the middle of the summer several uh, freight locomotives that are from the National Mexico Railway. So I do think it's needed because we need the investment, and I'm hoping that, uh... whoever purchases that rail line will put the needed infrastructure and investment in it because the bottom line here is is what we saw with that shutdown of that i forty bridge over the mississippi knowing that the vast majority you know upwards of seventy percent of our corn goes out the door from the united states through the mississippi river we need the infrastructure in other areas to be able to take on a supply chain bottleneck like what we saw last week we we just essentially had to wait for a, about a thousand barges to get cleared out and there was no other way to take this corn to the export market and, One of the old-timer ag-econ people that I learned from when I first got in the business told me very specifically, once demand's lost, it's lost forever in agriculture, especially with the livestock industry, because they're going to find something to feed those animals because they can't wait. And so I think it's real important that we do get things like this hooked up, and and it brings, I think, hopefully the North American continent more together as well.
0: Well, and and that kind of leads into the whole issue we saw last week, and you and I talked about this on the air midweek, that – you know when the i forty bridge had their issues on the Mississippi River, that caused concerns for for really the entire upper Midwest as to what that was going to mean for barge traffic movement
1: yeah, and it was it was setting itself up to be a lot like the colonial pipeline in my opinion susan if it if it had gone on a couple three more days the the whiplash and side effects that we would have felt could have been for months, and it would have been a pretty tough situation even maybe going into harvest, especially the early harvest for the Delta crops. So I think this is one of those things where you've got to keep that travel going, and I think, you know, we get the infrastructure updated, the canals, the the locks, the dams, and, and the railroads and the highways. I think it's really important to do that and, and do it smartly so it gets, you know, that money gets drilled into uh, those specific uh, needs because it's our tax dollars after all.
0: So when I switch gears and look at the livestock side, these cattle weights, uh, they're starting to come down? Overall picture, good for the market?
1: It is. I think, you know, you lose another two pounds last week. We're now below, we're now one pound below in dressed weights where we were a year ago. It's interesting to note that on March 6th, our dressed weights were 843 pounds. We're now down to 826. That's a 2% decline if you hold everything constant that means you automatically shave off about ten and a half million pounds of beef production per week just because of what we've done since early march and so whenever i have a demand market that is wavering and it is still wavering i just got new statistics out from another southeast asian country and of all the six major southeast asian countries except for china and japan but a lot of the developing countries like philippines and indonesia In in Vietnam, four of the six have had negative uh, first-quarter GDP results, and it's because of the COVID waves they're facing. They're getting slow manufacturing recovery, and they're not getting the tourism back. So when you have demand weakness, it's really good to see the supply start to break down, and that's where that cure for the higher grain prices is coming in. So I think it helps down the line, especially some of our prices for the fat cattle market in the fall and early winter.
0: All right, before we wrap up, China and African swine fever, numbers not going like we thought.
1: No, and I think that we're going to find out relatively soon, Susan. I mean by the time we get to June, July, exactly how how they're situated because I think they're trying to, based upon what information we can get, and it's very hard to get information right now, but information we can get right now would suggest to me they're trying to make the numbers a little bit bigger to make it feel like maybe they don't have as much inflationary pressure. Mike,
0: what's the best way for folks to get hold of you?
1: I think the best way is to go to the website, globalcomresearch.com. It's globalcom with two Ms at research.com and sign up for a trial or just get on there and shoot me a question and I'll shoot you back an answer.
0: All right, sounds good. Just a reminder folks, that commodity futures and options involve substantial risk of loss are not suitable to all investors. That is today's Fontenelle Final Bell being brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all your local dealers right here on the Rural Radio Network.